Welcome to the Rainbows and Rain podcast, the podcast for early interventionists, where you'll hear stories, reflection, and coaching from the field. My name is Erica, and I'm an early intervention teacher in Minnesota. This podcast is about connecting through stories and reflecting on our practices during visits. Hear how I try to put best practice and research to work and on the road and on real visits. Looking to find humor in it all. I hope this podcast helps you connect and reflect on your own visits and interactions with families. Rainbows and Rain is available wherever you listen to podcasts. So feel free to hit that like or subscribe button rate and review the podcast, do all those fun things. Ratings and reviews help reach more people and grow the Rainbows and Rain community. You can also find the podcast on Instagram, so you can check it out at rainbows underscore rain underscore podcast. The podcast also is in development with um, a Teachers to Pay Teachers storefront, so you can find resources that I've created to pair with coaching and what you're doing in the field and early intervention with handouts. The storefront is still a work in progress. So what I've created so far is on there and you can find it on Teachers Pay Teachers and the store is called All Things Early Intervention. The handouts are designed for parents. Uh, They're There's a couple things on there for early interventionists. Um, There are some free things and some bundle discounts. So I'll put the link in the show notes and feel free to check it out. Welcome to what is episode 37 of the podcast. Uh, The podcast has been on a long hiatus. I shared on my Instagram account which you can find it at rainbows underscore rain underscore podcast, um, why the podcast has been um, on pause for a while. So I was on a family medical leave this summer and just kind of needed to focus on some family things and um, take a break. But now I'm ready to jump back in. I'm ready to connect with people. The podcast has connected with people, believe it or not, all over the world. Um, It's been downloaded over 10,000 times. It's reaching people across countries, across the U.S. um, mainly, but I just find it so overwhelming that there are people connecting and wanting to do better and wanting to share experiences. And that's what this podcast is all about. So it's designed as you listen to me reflect on my experiences in the field. I hope you're able to relate and connect to it and find something in it that can help you. So that was the whole goal of this podcast. And As long as people are listening, I will continue to do it. Um, So thank you. I just wanted to pause right there and just say thank you um, for that. So let's jump in. I want to talk about autism. So I, I haven't really specifically talked about autism. 
And it's a big topic right now as far as like the neurodiversity movement, um, inclusion in general, and just how different the population we serve is in birth to three versus, I don't know what to say, but like the older, like individuals who are older with disabilities. So elementary, middle school, secondary, you know, secondary school, um, adults, like the perspective is so different and unique in birth to three because we are really at the beginning of the journey, um, which let's kind of be honest is sometimes the ugliest part of the journey, unfortunately. Um, but it, you know, it doesn't have to stay that way. It doesn't have to be that way. But I just want to acknowledge that um, the population we serve is just really unique. I've been doing this Autism Navigator course, and I'm almost finished with it. And if you're not familiar with Autism Navigator, they have a great website, phenomenal resources, Um, This is my first course I've done with them, and it is phenomenal. I really like it. And I was first introduced to this graphic from a teacher out of Minneapolis. She called it the layer cake. Have you ever heard of the layer cake? And I was like, no, I haven't. Tell me more, because I'm always interested in learning new things and finding new things that will help parents understand their child's development better and their role better in their development. So as I'm going through this Autism Navigator course, the layer cake came up again and I have this beautiful graphic um, and checklist and things like that. So I wanted to talk about autism today, but also I guess this is a little bit of a plug for Autism Navigator. It's a project out of Florida State University. Um, But I I highly recommend their courses and they're specifically designed. um, There are courses that are specifically designed for our population and birth to three. So I just want to talk about sometimes the barriers I get or I face when I'm coaching or I'm servicing families where either the child has been identified as being autistic or on the spectrum, whatever terminology you prefer. Um, and and then, of course, this, the children that have indicators. Um, but, you know, parents either chose, choose to not pursue testing. Um, but, of course, those indicators remain the same. So, how, like I said, I've really struggled with, and you're going to hear it in my voice, too, because I'm struggling with explaining it, too, is that connection between what's going on with their child, how their how parents play a role in their development and their progress, and how it all connects to their goal for their ultimate child, which of course, let's face it, all of them say it is to talk. Um, but of course there's so many other things that need to come before that. So there's this layer cake and I feel like it's really 
Um, I haven't put it into practice yet with families, but I'm super excited to because I, I think, I think this might work. Um, if you've listened to previous podcasts, I did a lot of work in in a book called Building Preverbal um, Engagement Strategies. Um, I can't remember the title of it. Sorry, um, but it was building preverbal skills, building engagements. Um, I'll, I'll link it in the show notes, the link to the to the book. But um, it's exactly using triadic gaze intervention. So working with these kids who are really on their own agenda, right? They're just, they got their own agenda and it doesn't include you um, typically. And, you know, they're, they're just kind of hyper-focused on doing what they want to do. Um, for me, that's, those are the kids I, and those are the families that I am seeing a lot of these days. I connected with a speech therapist out of, oh, I think she's out of Texas, but you can find her on Instagram. She's really, just really resourceful. Um, she's also an autistic SLP, but she is on Instagram at Joyful Speech with M. Her name's Emily, so it's Joyful Speech with M-E-M at the end. Um, I think I've given her a shout out before, but, and we did a live a few months ago and um, gestalt language processors. I'm seeing that a ton of too. So where like children are either using gestalt scripts or they're not communicating with words yet, or they're able to use a word or a phrase in one context, in one situation or in one routine, but not able to generalize it to another. So circle back to this shared agenda and this layer cake. So what is this layer cake? So Autism Navigator developed this layer cake and it's called Building Supports from the Bottom Up, Promoting Your Child's Active Engagement. And that I think has been key for me in um, this course that I've been taking is that when you're working with kiddos that are either on the spectrum or have indicators um, or just that social, there's just that social barrier that's, you know, that they need to work on to to progress in those skills. Um, It's all about engagement. So it's not about the imitation. I feel like for years I've worked on imitation, right? Like imitation with objects, then it's imitation with actions and imitation with sounds. And I I feel like I've done so much with imitation, but it hasn't really gotten me anywhere that, I mean, it has and it hasn't. Um, But when it comes to engagement, I feel like that's the piece. It's not about the imitating. It's about the engaging, right? And that's what I think I liked so much about the triadic gaze intervention book was that it wasn't about imitating. It was also about building engagement and using eye gaze to communicate. So the layer cake goes through three layers 
and building supports from the bottom up. So the bottom base layer, the foundation of this layer cake are building skills with um, with that shared agenda. So those kiddos that are <clears throat> on their own agenda, they're really difficult to kind of pull in. They're not inviting you into their um, activities. They're not maybe initiating with you. So if you can kind of think of those families that you're servicing, um, that's what these shared agenda that that's where you start is that first layer and it has a great graphic um I'll link it in the show notes but um I love it it's a so <laughs> start here so it's just it's so beautifully laid out so start here number one with that shared layer or I'm sorry shared agenda what you're going to need one a motivating activity includes an Includes interesting materials and is developmentally sensible. So it has to be something they're already interested in. So something that the child is already interested in. Uh, maybe, you know, whatever it is. I can think of um, this kiddo I have right now. He is really interested in coloring. And he colors with force that pen or that crayon or whatever um, tool he's using he's using it with force and he's got some really intentional scribbles that are on whatever picture it is he's scribbling on top of it's really intentional so he does not invite you into that activity but that is a motivating activity for him So picture this um, if you can. And then number two, a productive role. So lets the child know exactly what to do and keeps them actively involved. So if you're kind of designing this activity or this interaction, it's what's the motivating activity? What's your role going to be? And what is the child's role going to be? Um, For this student... In this family, it might be that I am holding the page or I'm holding or mom is holding the next writing tool he might want Um, and he might just have to like take it or maybe it's he only gets one page at a time and the expectation is that he just take it from our hands. Um, whatever it is, just have that productive role. And then number three, that predictability. So lets the child know what is coming next and what's going to help them get ready for the change. So for this child and family I've worked with before, um, one time we were out on the driveway and he was using chalk. Well, sidewalk chalk gets used up very quickly. So mom held the sidewalk chalk When his sidewalk chalk essentially ran out and disappeared, turned into chalk, um, he had to come to mom to get the next piece of chalk. So that was the productive role um, that kept him actively involved with his mother in that interaction was, I got to get the chalk from mom. 
so that and it was super predictable and repetitive. Um, positioning is super important with these kiddos. Um, if you think of the shared agenda, shared agenda kiddos. Um, so your positioning supports the interaction when it's on the child's level and face to face. I'm reading right off this handout. Um, and so I think that's that's a given. We all kind of do that. We need to get down at their level. We need to get next to them um, or we need to um, be the obstacle that they need to get through to get the thing that they want. So all of that is very important, whether I think it's positioning yourself, positioning for the parent or positioning of the object um, that they're focused on. And last um, number five they list here is following child's focus means talking about what the child is paying attention to. So it's not coaxing them into your world and what you want to do at this level. It's really building on what they're interested in, what they are doing, um, and what they're focused on. Um, the same little boy that I just described, he had this routine of like running around in circles and it was just something he liked to do in this big open space. Um, he did it a lot, obviously some sensory seeking there, but um, he also just liked to run. So it was like, let's get involved in the running Um and that type of thing. So finding that motivating activity. And typically those things are things that the kids are already doing. Um, and just trying to structure it in a way where it gives them something to do, a job. What's their productive role? If you think about people games, there's a role there to play. Um, making it predictable, repetitive, um, allowing for the chat, like allowing yourself to just follow their lead. So the second layer is where you're going to build that social reciprocity. So essentially, you're going to kind of up the ante a little bit. And what they are saying here is what you're going to do here is promote child initiation. So once you've kind of got like you've established a routine or a rapport or um, whether that's mom, parent, you, whatever, you've kind of established some some interactions. It's now time to up the ante and we want to see more initiation. So promote child initiation by pausing during the interaction and waiting for directed communication. And what I love about this layer cake too is I can think of strategies where I've maybe used the pausing strategy or the waiting strategy with those shared agenda kids and I completely have lost them. Um they're, they're, they're gone or, you know, parent has lost them or whatever it is. Um, and it's because they just weren't ready yet. So we didn't have enough practice established in that first layer. So it wasn't as solid as it should have been 
before I tried that intervention strategy. So once you've built on top of that first layer, you can go to the second layer um, of incorporating some wait time, um, modeling some communication, balancing some turn taking. So that's the next thing. They want you to balance turns so that there is no more than one and a half parent turns per child turn. So I'm not sure what they mean by one and a half. But anyways, um, maybe I'll find out later when I finish the training. <laughs> um, but that's what it says. It says balance turns so that there is no more than one and a half parent turns per child turn. So I think that just means back and forth, back and forth. Um, and then natural reinforcers, such as a requested object. Help, of course, is super powerful. All kids want help, need help getting that thing that they want. It could be comfort or shared enjoyment, naturally a reward communication. It could be clapping, smiling, looking at each other praise, whatever that natural reinforcer is. Um, Like I said, the object that they want, the help that they needed, whatever it was. Um, And then finally, clear messages to ensure comprehension. So have an expectation for child, have expectation for child to listen to and act on the language heard. This makes me think of the word give. Because I practice that a lot or I have parents want to practice that a lot because a lot of times these kiddos are throwers or droppers. So nothing is ever like they're never all done, like all done milk or I want more milk and they'll run it over and bring it to the parent or set it on the counter or bang on the fridge. These kiddos are kind of just tossing or and whining and crying. So when I think about, um, you know, clear messages to ensure comprehension, I think of like that first teachings of like, give, you need to give it to me if you want me to open it. If you want help, you want me to open it, put it in my hand. I mean, that's a really basic skill for building social reciprocity. Oh man, we're at the top of the cake here now. Third and final layer is called better skills. So we've built that first layer, shared agenda. We've got that second layer going, that social reciprocity. Maybe some back and forth is now finally happening. Now we can focus on that third layer and final layer, which is better skills. I mean, how much more plainly can you write that? Better skills. Um, Here you're going to model language, play, and interaction so that the child knows what they could say or do. Extend the activity, roles, and transitions to build on play, interaction, and connectedness. Adjust expectations and demands by offering more support when needed 
and increasing expectations when things are going well. So for example, maybe you wait a little bit longer. Maybe you take a few more turns, Um, you know, things like that. Balance interaction and independence so that your child can be active and flexible, whether alone, with a partner, or in small groups. I don't know why this was such an aha for me going through this layer cake, but I can tell you that I have tried, succeeded, and failed all at the same time on the same visit because I'm trying to I'm trying to build this cake in one visit. So when I think about engagement and I think about these three layers and that first layer, that really needs to be established across routines, across activities, across people in order to really develop the next set of skills in that second layer, which is social reciprocity. And then of course, okay, I feel like sometimes we get overconfident, or at least I do. And it's like, yeah, things are going really, really well. Now let's up the ante. No, let's not. (laughs) Now I'm thinking to myself, it's like, let's just keep it going. Let's just practice. Um, so I'm going to share the link to the handout. It is from Autism Navigator um, from Florida State University. Um, but I will share this graphic so you guys can kind of see what I'm talking about. Um, but I can't wait to put it into practice with um, families. It's such plain and basic language that parents can understand And I think for me, I'm going to start shifting my focus and my attention from imitation to engagement. And I I mean, it's not that it's never been there, but I feel like imitation has always taken the front seat and kind of been the the all be all to getting that back and forth interaction into getting um, you know, building those communication skills where I feel like I don't think it's so much about that and it doesn't even have to be about imitation as much as it is about the back and forth engagement piece and having the child know how to initiate the how the child should respond and, and those fourth, if you think about that third la- layer where it's better skills, if you're now modeling language, play and interactions, that's where the imitating is at. Um, I mean, maybe a little bit in social reciprocity, and I don't think at all in that shared agenda stage. Um, but that's that's where the imitation is at. And I think it really helps me think about how I'm going to talk to families, whether their child is on the spectrum or not. Um, this, this, These are the things we need to work on. Engagement. There's a new study that's been all over the news in the U.S. the last couple weeks. Um, the new research coming out about screen time and excessive screen time being linked to communication delays, cognitive delays, Um, other delays three times over. 
So these kiddos who've had, well, the American Academy of Pediatrics is not recommending any screen time under the age of two. Um, but there was the seven-year study. I think it was seven years. Um, that was just published at the end of August. And um, I just feel like if your child is on a screen, especially if you're infant, especially if your child is 12, 15, 18, 20, 24, I don't care, 30, 36 months even, um, three years old, like it's substituting that time they should be engaged with someone, with something, with themselves even, um, exploring, learning, um, that type of thing. So engagement, I think, is going to be like my new key phrase and things that I talk about. Because as I'm going through this Autism Navigator course um, and rethinking about how I address engagement and how I address social delays, um, kiddos who are on the spectrum, that sort of thing. It's not going to be so much about the imitating as it is about being connected, initiating, responding, finding those very simple things that are already happening in the day. And that's what's so fascinating to me is these things are already happening in the day. It's just how do you connect the dots and help parents see like, what you're doing, we can just do it a little bit differently, but involve your child in what you're doing too. It doesn't always have to be you getting the snack ready and getting it ready on the table and then just sitting there and eating it while you do X, Y, and Z. Um, It doesn't always have to be this maybe rush through bath time um, just to get it done. Like, is there an opportunity there? So it's it's examining those routines and even those micro routines within routines where it's connecting the parent and child to get engaged. So because that's, of course, as we all know, is where the magic happens. So um, I'm going to end it here and wrap up a little bit, but I just wanted to share my thoughts on what I've kind of been learning about and working through and um, thinking about. If you have any thoughts or comments on this episode, please um, connect with me on Instagram or send me an email. My email is erikabo80 at gmail.com. Thanks again for listening and I hope you catch another episode of Rainbows and Rain.